You are listening to Wait a Minute with Beth and Jessica, episode 19. I'm Jessica Pearson, body image and weight loss coach. And I'm Beth Barnett Babel, integrative health dietitian. Hey, Beth. What's up, Jessica? <laughs> I am just super pumped about today's guest, Sheila Nova. Yes, that's her first name. Yeah. She's a... You did have to clarify that for me. I was like, oh, is that her Instagram name? So, (laughs) Sheila. Yeah. So happy to actually get to meet you. Sheila Nova. I'm so happy to get to finally meet you because I've heard a lot about you from Jessica. And also, whenever I go onto the Path Nutrition Instagram, I get to see you on there. And so I'm starting (laughs) to get to put all the pieces of the puzzle together. But yay, I finally get to meet you. So it's so exciting. Welcome, welcome. Yes. Thank thank you for having me. And yes, my first name is Sheila Nova. I I used to be... Back in the day, I used to be in sales and I would tell my prospective clients, I was like, my name is Sheila Nova, like supernova. <laughs> so that tagline <laughs> stuck with me. Yeah, I love it. That's so true. you are a relationship coach. And the reason why I've asked you to come on today is because this will air right before Valentine's Day. And it seemed like good timing to be talking about relationships. And really what I wanted to kind of address today and talk about was dating and weight loss and why so many of us mesh those together as if they actually have something to do with each other. And I'm sure a lot of people listening are like, of course they have something to do with each other, but I want to kind of talk about maybe why they don't. So I think something that we've come across over the last seven years of helping women and men with weight and health is that many of our single folk express their desire to date or find romantic relationships. And they'll say, I'm here to lose weight because I'll start dating when I feel about when I feel better about myself or my body or once I've reached my goal weight, then I'll start dating. So I know Beth and I have kind of shared a little bit about this with our podcast listeners, but we want to hear your take on it. So why do you think we conflate dating and weight loss? Yeah. So I consider this, I refer to this as an until belief, meaning that you have something in your mind that you want to happen and that can't, you can't feel a certain way. You can't be a certain way about yourself until that thing in the world happens. So for example, I can't truly feel worthy or lovable until I lose this weight. I won't like, no one's going to truly respect me until my body is in better shape. I can't feel complete or secure about myself or my relationship until the guy I'm dating commits to me. And whenever we believe about ourselves, whatever we believe on the inside about ourselves, we will go to prove that true in the tangible world. So what until beliefs do is that you prove them in the outside tangible world by literally creating the opposite of what you want to happen in the world. Yeah. And I know you guys have talked about this a lot in terms of you can always 
feel worthy, respectable, lovable before the thing that you want happens. But I kind of want to present this concept in a way where we're talking about tangible versus abstract ideas and how we prove our abstract ideas about us in the world as tangible proof. And if we think that our abstract idea about ourselves, our lovability, our worthiness can't happen until something tangible happens in the world, you'll literally create the opposite of what you want to happen. So for example, with a lot of your listeners, the tangible thing in their life is that they want the percentage of perhaps their body fat to decrease. Mm -hmm. That's like the tangible physical thing in the world. And That won't change when you have an until belief because you have to prove your until belief true. Think about it. If your belief is that you truly can't be worthy or lovable until your percentage of body fat decreases, then the percentage of fat on your body literally has to stay the way it is right now in order to prove that you can't feel worthy or lovable about yourself right now. Mm, Yeah. 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 I think, yeah, that's where people get stuck. And that's why it seems so scary to find that self-acceptance in the moment because people, it's hard, I don't know. I think it's an interesting thing to try to really like grasp and understand, even though we, we're talking about it now. It's like, wait, my thoughts really do create my results. And if I am thinking something terrible about myself, I'm going to keep creating that result, not the one that I actually want. Yeah. And when you present this to people, they will be like, that can't be true because, and they'll give you all the different reasons. Or they just are like, I would never choose to make myself miserable. Why would I do that? Just because I want to lose weight. They really just like also will kind of rebel against the idea that them wanting to lose weight to become happier to be something else. They're just like, no, I would never do that to myself, but they really are doing it, but they just, it's so subconscious. Yeah. I think Sheila Nova has an awesome example is like, sometimes it helps to take it out of weight in relationships and plug in a different concept. Okay. Like, yeah. Like if you're having a really hard time wrapping your head around it in terms of weight, I think in my life, like money was always a great example. So for example, I used to be in credit card debt to the tune of $20,000. And it was this huge secret. It was like a secret from my husband. I had recently married him and I had all this credit card debt and I had so much shame about it. And I had this belief that I can't truly be respectable until I've paid off all my debt. And this belief was literally keeping me in debt and preventing me from paying it off. Because think about it. If I have to prove that I'm not truly respectable with the debt, then I literally have to be in debt to prove that true. Okay. So there was even, and I want to say this because I know that there's a lot of people who lose the weight and then gain it all back. And I actually did this with my credit card debt. So at one point there was a time when I was in only $14,000 of credit card debt. This was like back in 2016. And I had actually paid off that debt in a matter of six months because I had the belief that I was like, I'm going to do this in six months, no matter what. And I did but I actually never worked on my self-belief 
that I wasn't actually respectable until I'm out of the debt. So what happened is because that belief still existed and I had other forms of debt like student loan debt, it only took me one year to not only rack up $14,000 of debt, now I was in $20,000 of debt. Mm. And I'm sure you can relate that to weight loss because you lose that. A lot of people will lose the weight and then gain it all back because they're you in order. If you right. are literally thinking like, I'm not deserving of this, or I'm not truly lovable, you will have to prove that true. And if your belief is that it's attached to the weight about that, then your weight has to be a certain amount of weight to prove that true. So this is why you keep on. This is why you always create something tangible in the world to prove your abstract belief about yourself. True. I actually do have a question to put you on the spot. So we know from coaching, like all roads lead to I am unworthy or unlovable. Like that's like the root of our fears and our insecurities. But a lot of times we're not like cognizant of that particular thought. So I don't know. Do you have any examples of like the thoughts that are coming up as, what would you call them? Gateway thoughts to the I am unlovable thoughts. Like the ones that people are actually having versus... Because most of us aren't just sitting here being like, I'm so unworthy, right? That's like the root of our thinking. So I'm just curious, like, can we help people identify what might they actually be thinking that would lead to the road of I am unworthy? Does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's... I think you're always trying to find evidence for it. And so, for example, you may be thinking like, Hey, I could prove this true that certain types of bodies are more attractive than others. Like that's actually a way of thinking. And we think that this is like true. We think that we need to be right. and people are like, well, there's science behind this. There's like the waist to hip ratio or something and how they've like proven this in science, how you're, how yeah. the, like everyone is, will rate this type of waist to hip ratio in a certain way. Or I don't know, you use the thought of the way that my clothes hang off of me when I'm at a certain size. Like if I think that looks better then that means that I will be more attractive. So therefore I have to be this certain weight in order to prove that someone will find me attractive. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it's just re-examining those results. Like you said, if you keep recreating the same result over and over again, and you're, you feel like you're banging your head up against the wall, then that's, that is where coaching can come in. Cause it's like, well, let's just look at your thoughts because even though maybe you're not just out there in the world feeling unlovable and unworthy at face value. There's probably something going on in your mind that's leading to that. Yeah. And I think that is where working with a coach comes so in handy. I think that this kind of belief work, whether it's, I'm not truly lovable, I'm not truly respectable, or I just need to be at this size in order to feel better about myself. That Mm -hmm. all has to do with belief work. And I really think that doing that on your own, you will trip yourself up. Your brain is way too clever to get you to believe the same things that it already does. And this is where a coach can come in and be like, let's look at your brain in a certain way. And it's kind of a work of art, the way that that happens. Yeah. And for people to (laughs) understand that, what I want them to know is that 
though part of us really does have that desire to make those changes, the brain does not want to do things that are hard and creating new thoughts and beliefs requires work. But if we can keep this like subconscious programming going that requires literally no energy, then that's what it's going to choose to do. So some of the reason why we don't want to look into it or to work very hard to change these beliefs is because it is hard because the brain is trying to kind of avoid doing that because it's, that's not the easy thing to do. So it is uncomfortable, (laughs) but it needs to be done because if not, we just keep going into subconscious programming. That's just like the default. Yeah. hundred percent. A coach will challenge your, what you believe cognitively and you will experience like a sense of, Oh, I hate you. (laughs) Like, why are you doing this? And I want (laughs) to offer that that's what's supposed to happen in order to create new beliefs that are going to give you a different result in your life. You have to come up, your brain will double down on not wanting to do that. And that's why I think it's so important to work with a coach like you guys, because in order to create something different, you have to go through that process. And if you go through that process alone, typically you'll just revert back to your, the the old beliefs. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So before we swing this back around to dating, I want to come back to your money example, because you had written something here that I thought was really good, which was, so did you cut up your credit cards after you got out of debt? Yeah. So everyone was like, Oh, you must've like, (laughs) so you don't like use your credit cards now anymore. You must've gotten rid of all of those. Just like how people ask you, oh, how did you lose well, all the weight? You must can never we eat. Back up? Well, how did you go from 14 to 20 and back to none? So tell us about that. What did you change about being in even further debt than where you started? I literally have will say that this completely blew my mind when I changed this belief about myself. So the belief that okay. I really did change, and I did, I want to say that I did work on a with a coach on this belief. Okay. So when I journaled, I didn't even realize I was having this belief. When I worked with a coach, I didn't even realize until I started doing this work that, oh, I actually don't even believe that I'm actually worthy or truly respectable until I'm out of this debt. That Mm. felt real in my body when I said it. Now, intellectually, I knew that wasn't true. And when I wrote down the sentence, I'm totally worthy with or without this debt, my body was like, "Mm, that's wrong. (laughs) Here's all the evidence why. (laughs) Oh, dear. So when I went to work on believing that I'm completely worthy with or without the debt, no matter what, I'm totally respectable, no matter what, that's when I truly came to believe that like a hundred percent without a doubt, that's when my relationship with money changed. And before when I had, when I was in all this credit card debt and spending money on my credit card, I literally, I remember picking up my credit card and thinking, this is exactly what a drug addict feels like. They know they shouldn't do this. They know that this is not good for them yet. They do it anyways. I was like, I'm whip smart. I know that using my credit card with money that I don't have is not a great idea. Mm -hmm. And it's that same kind of feeling when you feel out of control about stuffing your face with Oreos or whatever it is. Do you think it was the, was it the dopamine or was it the self-sabotage of it all? Right. So when you have a thought, like I'm not really worthy subconsciously until I've paid off all this debt, it creates a feeling of shame. And in order to escape that shame for me, 
That was spending money on my credit card on little items that I didn't need, which gave me a dopamine hit temporarily, which got me out of the shame. So that temporary dopamine hit of swiping my credit card temporarily got me out of the shame, which means I, because it wasn't a long-term effect, I had to literally swipe my card all the time. (laughs) This is why I felt out of control. This is why you feel out of control. You know, when you eat a lot of sugar, you're trying to just escape that thing that only works temporarily. So when I solved for the belief, I didn't have any more shame around it. And then all of a sudden, my desire to spend money on my credit card, it, like it, it didn't even make sense to me. It felt so unappealing. It felt like even thinking about it now, just like going and spending something that I don't need, it just makes me feel like there's like a disconnect inside now. There's like no desire for it at all anymore. So when this shift happened, what even blows my mind to this day is that from that moment on, it's like the moment I was in full belief of that I was completely respectable with or without the debt. I proved that in the outside world, in the tangible world, by proving that in the now with the debt and by paying it off and without it. And for, when I was paying off that debt, it was like, it was happening so fast. I was blowing my mind at like how it's, I would even have thoughts like, where's this money coming from? Like what is happening? Mm. Yeah. (laughs) And my relationship with my credit card completely changed. Like I have a credit, I have a couple of credit cards with very high limits with 10 or $15,000. And I'm never worried anymore that I'll ever gain that debt back. Or if I did, it would be in a very intentional, purposeful, I'm investing in something for my business or something like that. I mean, it would not be to be escaping shame. Gotcha. Right. Because of that no belief. Target was. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like, I mean, just from our talks, Jessica, I feel like that you have that relationship with sugar where you could have a million items of sugar in your pantry and you're, you oh, would yeah. use that sugar to enrich your life in a way that felt good to you, not in a way that you felt out of control about it or that you had some Costco size of bag of Oreos in your, um, in your pantry and just felt like I can't control myself. Cause that's how I felt yeah. with my credit card. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like the way you said, you're like, I don't need to cut out my cards. I don't, I, my hope is for clients. It's like, I don't want you to have to avoid sugar mm-hmm. or avoid celebrating with food for the rest of your life. It's like, how can we have a relationship with that? So what's interesting is I do feel like our relationships with food or our relationships with money can parallel with our romantic relationships if we're looking at how we're showing up in these different scenarios. So I don't know. I just, I love using different examples to explain the concepts of things because sometimes when we're in a concept, like we're like, I just don't understand my relationship with food. Like when we talk about money or shopping or whatever, it it can make it more or less abstract to think about it in a different scenario. Yeah. So you don't have to cut up your credit cards, which is good, but can you then (laughs) now put it back into a context for people to understand it with, you know, relationship? Can you bring it all home? Yeah. What's going to get them out dating? Yeah. So if, I'm not gonna, if their body is X, Y, and Z and they're feeling uncomfortable about it and they don't want to date, but they want to date. So let's, let's see. Let's, okay. Cause I love the money things. I, I feel you, like a lot of us can relate to that. You really just have to be open to this idea that you're wrong. <laughs> 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 if 
you think that something needs to happen with your body in order for you to go out there and date, you're just wrong about that. And it's okay if just be open about being wrong, being like, okay, this feels true for me right now. And intellectually, you can know that it's a lie, that you're wrong about it. It's hard when you're, you know, as a coach, it's like, we don't want to have agendas for people. I'm not trying to push people. Like, I'm not like saying clients like, well, you need to go date. This is your homework, right? But yeah, they're just wrong. Cause I see that it's wrong on my side. I'm like, no, you are like a, a wonderful human, you know? And if you want a relationship, you deserve to have that. So I kind of like that, just that simplicity of it. Yeah. Because you're all weird in your personality with your dating if you are not comfortable with yourself, like you're going to act like a weirdo, no matter what, you're not going to show up as yourself, regardless of what size you are, if you're not comfortable with yourself, because when you Mm -hmm. get to that size that you think you're supposed to be at, you're still usually not very happy because you haven't done the the thought work to be happy there. And so you're still going to not show up as yourself. So you're probably not going to be attracting the people that you want to spend your time with anyway, regardless of the size that you are. Yeah. And I just say like, and if you ever want to get results in your life, you have to be open to being wrong about what you believe in now. And that wrongness, that feeling of wrongness is going to feel even more wrong. It's going to feel discomforting. It's not going to be like, okay, now I'm wrong. Now let's do this. Like when I was believing that I'm not worthy with all this credit card debt, I knew I had to be open that I was wrong with that. And my brain tried to double down on me. It was like, "Mm, but look, like you've got to be realistic because you've gotten yourself in a really terrible situation. Your husband doesn't even know about this. And all of that, I realized, I came to realize was just noise that was keeping me in that stuck in that belief, which was keeping me in debt. So working with a coach to help me really challenge those ideas about myself and also just working with a coach to be like, telling them something that's happening in your life. And they're like, and the problem is like (laughs) sometimes in itself, like, Oh, okay. Maybe this isn't as big as a problem as I thought it was having a coach just look at you and be like, Oh no, you, did you know that you can fall in love at the weight you are now? Also, let's talk about the pressure. I mean, that's a lot of pressure to put on yourself, but I think it's also a lot of pressure to put on this future human or this future relationship. Mm. And we also build up the idea that like, oh, well, once I have this, like we put it, it's an until I on the weight, but it's an until I on the relationship too. Like I won't be happy until I have this relationship. Mm -hmm. And I I want to kind of touch on, you know, it's like relationships aren't all sunshine and rainbows either, right? Life is 50-50. And if we just assume that a relationship is what is going to make us happy, then that's probably not going to be the truth either. Yeah. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you knocked it out of the park. (laughs) I mean, yeah, Beth and I are not going to pretend like we know anything about modern dating because we have been off the market for a long time, but I know it can be challenging to put yourself out there, but I hear a lot where it's like, oh, I expect this romantic relationship to solve all my personal problems. And that's just like losing weight. That's not going to solve your personal problems. Nothing solves your personal problems from the external. I I think those get conflated because it's like, I I have to lose the weight and then I'm going to find the relationship and then my life is going to be hunky-dory 24-7. And it's unfortunately not true. (laughs) Yeah. I I wish y'all could see my face because I just have this like... (laughs) Uh, this look that's like, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> I 
things don't work out. <laughs> and I would just ask yourself, if you've been thinking that for a while, is it working out for you? Right. That's where mm-hmm. I try to prove myself wrong with some of my stuff that I want to, that I don't want to believe in anymore. It's like, well, how has this belief been working out for me? <laughs> and if it's not working out for you, it's probably, it's a lie you're believing in where it's not true. Yeah. The willingness to be wrong. That's so hard. It's so hard. <laughs> well, yeah, because it's it. our, yeah. we're, that's the way we're, we're wired. We need to be right in order to like prove our own reality true. And I also want to say this until beliefs, it's not like they're morally wrong to believe in. It's just because they don't work doesn't make them morally wrong. There's a very good reason why you have until beliefs because they worked for our human ancestors about 35,000 years ago, but our human ancestors weren't having, weren't requiring tangible results to prove an abstract idea about themselves. What they were doing is that they were requiring a tangible result to prove their tangible survival true. So for example, if they were like, I can't live until I find reliable food and shelter, that belief worked for them. And it's the reason why we have those beliefs now. It's just that in the modern world, when we don't rely on tangible results to, for survival, we 99.99% of the time we're already surviving. We're not worried about that. We live in an abstract world. And it's what creates such the deliciousness, the beautifulness, the amazingness about our life. But But it also can create very (laughs) detrimental (laughs) things about our life. It can go either way. And so until beliefs don't work when you need a tangible thing in the world to prove an abstract idea about yourself, it only works when you need a tangible thing to prove a tangible thing like survival. Yeah. I always say we have old software. Yeah. Like our brains are the same as they were with the- close. We, yeah, we're running the same software we ran 35,000 years ago, but we're in this new world. And so it can be challenging for our brains to not think we're being chased by a tiger. Yeah. And I like to appreciate my brain for doing that when it comes up with mm-hmm. these like well-intentioned until beliefs that I have that are that you have, yeah. you can always be like, thanks for doing that brain. I know that was like, what is literally keeping me alive right now. But if you want to thrive in a modern world, you have to overcome and you have to know and learn how to manage that primitive programming. And that's where yeah. the magic in it all lies. That's why when people are like, why am I like this? What's wrong with me? You know, we say those are really unhelpful questions and just totally unnecessary because there's nothing wrong with you. This is just how our brains do things. And so once we can bring awareness to how they function, then we can kind of work with it. I'll also interject a little here on where some people pick these things up that they are given these ideas as well that, um, getting messages from family members or friends that they can't be happy. Oh, you really need a partner in order to have a happy life, or you have to have this kind of job in order to be successful and happy. Like, why would you go and do put in the artsy fartsy degree that somebody really wants to do instead of something practical. And so sometimes these ideas are given to us and then we take them on as our own. So sometimes we have to work on 
boundaries, the boundaries, <laughs> but also dispelling the the story that somebody else gave us as well. So yeah, and these are people that raised you, you love and trust. So a lot of times we take their beliefs at face value and are like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to believe. <laughs> Yeah. And I think it's also about finding the evidence to prove yourself wrong too, and finding the evidence to in the new belief about yourself. Like if you want to go, if your belief is like, I can't really date somebody until I'm in better shape because I can't feel good about myself. I can't feel good about dating until I get in better shape. Not only do you have to first be wrong about that, but then you have to go prove that new thing true. and. The first, and this is where, like I said, I recommend you work with a coach, but when you try to go and prove evidence true, I mean, go look into the outside world where this is already happening. That's not in your life because there's plenty of people in a very loving, amazing relationships who are at your body size. Mm-hmm. It's probably a billion of them. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> yeah. That's so true. And so, yeah. And you know, it's like, well, well, don't you want to attract somebody from a place of acceptance too, not from a place of non-acceptance essentially. Yeah. My brain is just like spinning and I'm, (laughs) cause I am stuck in thought loops, not related to relationships or my body. It's about other things. And I just was on my walk yesterday, on my walk yesterday, I was walking the dogs. I just was like, going, okay, I'm having these thoughts. I know these are my thoughts. They're probably not true, but they feel really true. And I keep trying to have new thoughts, but the new thoughts are not helping. I feel worse. (laughs) So I just kept spinning and I just was in a horrible mood, like all day, because I just was like, I just couldn't get out of my, my thought loops of it and having dissonance of I'm creating this for myself, but gosh, it sure does feel real. I don't know. Maybe this is my brain chemistry that's causing problems. And it just was like, it was a tough time because I had to like go and be with like my in-laws and my whole family. And I was just like, Oh, it it was not. Yeah. I think in creating acceptance, wanting to get to a place of acceptance about the future, you have to create that acceptance in the now. And so when you have those thoughts that make you feel so crummy, it's like, this is where I'm at. How can I be generate a thought of being accepting of exactly where I am right now? Yeah, I did. I just sat in the shit. Oh, excuse me. Sat in the stuff. (laughs) We try really hard not to curse, even though it is my natural inclination. Uh, (laughs) So yeah, it was, I did. I sat in the poo all day and then I went to bed really early because I knew I just needed to push the reset button. Yeah. We talk about the the poo sandwich, you know, how sometimes we just have to eat it. Yeah. (laughs) And that's the discomfort, right? Mm It's like, we know that like life offers us discomfort and we have to get comfortable with the discomfort and know that it's probably not going to kill us because I think that's the the fight or flight. The primal brain, right? Is like, discomfort is awful. We're definitely going to die. We have to spend money or eat sugar, <laughs> do something right now to make it stop. And all of this, the root of all of our problems is just understanding how to find compassion and presence with that discomfort. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
which is not a sexy sell, right? Like that's not an ad yeah. <laughs> you want to see on Facebook. Yeah, no, all coaches are like, do not put that on your website. <laughs> no, You're like, no, well, every time I, <laughs> yeah, every time I have, you know, a new client, usually my first session consists of saying, by the way, this work that you're about to do, you're probably going to feel actually worse than you are right now. And just know that that's actually a good thing. <laughs> mm, goodness. Oh, Sheila Nova, do you have any examples that you can tell us about from your dating life about some of these realities that you created for yourself? Were there any beliefs that you had before you met your husband? Okay. That kind of kept I, you stuck. Yes. And I was acting a crazy person <laughs> in my dating life before I changed my self-belief about myself, which transformed the way I showed up in my dating life. And if there's anyone listening, I'm almost certain that I can trump your craziness <laughs> in your dating life. If you've done something that you think is crazy in your dating life, I've done it probably 800 times worse. <laughs> So yeah, I used to have this belief that I wasn't really, couldn't truly feel complete or like have this sense of completeness or security or just this feeling of like aliveness until a man like made me his. And I proved that true in the world. So I proved that abstract idea about me true in the tangible world. What that first looked like is that this was like, gosh, over 10 years ago, I fell in love with this guy and I had this belief. I was not aware of subconscious. I wasn't consciously aware that I had this belief until I did this work, but I had this belief that I'm not really worthy until he calls me his girlfriend and shows me off to his family. And I dated this guy for two and a half years and he literally did everything except call me his girlfriend and show me (laughs) off to his family. (laughs) So I proved that true in the tangible world. I proved, that's why I say like these until beliefs create the opposite of what you want. Mm -hmm. And I acted a crazy trying to prove that. I created a very tumultuous relationship, which of course I blamed on him. And it wasn't until I really changed that belief truly that I didn't require another man to make me feel a certain way. I didn't require him to act a certain way to make me feel complete and secure. Now, it doesn't mean that I didn't want a guy who wanted to commit to me and wanted to start a family with me. Wanting something and requiring or needing something to make you feel a certain way is completely different. So when you drop the requirement, when you drop the need for it to make you feel a certain way, you can still want it. And in fact, that's when I think the belief will actually create what you want in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's dropping that desperate energy. Yeah. It's, You're like, I have to have it. It's not it's like, requiring whoa. the outside tangible physical thing in the world to make you feel a certain way. And yet you can still want that. And then you will, that's actually when it will happen. Because when I no longer needed a man to act a certain way, even though I wanted it, 
I, I knew that I wanted a man who wanted to commit to me and get married and have children and raise a family. That's actually when I attracted it. And it was so, <laughs> and what happened is that right when that I dropped into that belief, I was attracting men who were like, can you meet my family right away? <laughs> it's like, what is happening? <laughs> yeah. So what I do with my clients is that I like, it's like, how, how do you think you'll feel when the man that you're dating commits to you or when you find somebody who like really wants to commit to you? Like, what is everything that you want him to do? How do you think you'll feel? We create that ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the same with the weight is like, what do you think that's going to bring you? How do you think you're going to feel? And like, how, how do you think you're going to date differently or show up differently in a relationship because you've lost weight? I don't know, but we explore that and we try to figure out like, yeah, what are all those feelings and how can we harness them now and align our thoughts first without having to get the thing to prove it true. Yeah. And I think the, the first time you ever prove this true to yourself, that you can feel a certain way before something else happens in the tangible world, you will blow your mind. Like you just have to be open that that's the way of it. And it's a much more efficient way <laughs> than, <laughs> than trying to get it, like trying to get it in the outside world because yeah. you'll always yeah. be chasing that because it's, you're do, you're trying to do the impossible. This is why you feel so crazy about it. Especially if like, you're trying to get a guy to act and feel and think about you in a certain way. So you can feel better. You will act a crazy <laughs> trying to get him to do that because you're lit. What yeah. you're trying to do is you're trying to prove a lie true and you can't do that. And this is why it drives you insane. Yeah. It's not you. <laughs> it's, it's your brain doing things to you. Oh man. Oh man. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm like thinking about all the crazy things I did in my twenties. Oh yeah. With- Ugh, gosh. Uh, I'll tell you because, the you know, one I, really crazy thing if you want to hear it. Oh, good. Yeah, I do. Spill the yeah, tea. Please. So <laughs> this was like, I can't believe that this is, I'm actually going to say this, but this was before the time of iPhones or it was like just right when the first iPhone came out and the guy I was I with at it. the time, he was like the first person everyone knew to get the new iPhone. And I kind of had this like inkling. I was like totally obsessed with him and like really jealous and extremely insecure. And I was like, I think he's talking to somebody else. And so I wanted to, when you have that feeling inside of you, you just like, your brain is like, I need all the data in order to like make, try to make myself feel more secure. So what it will try to do is it will like literally what this looked like is I would constantly stalk his Facebook page, but that wasn't good enough at some point. I'll go back to the iPhone in a second, but one day I asked to come over to his house and I said, Hey, I just need to use your laptop to check my email. Because again, I didn't have a smartphone at this time. And so he was like, sure. And so what I did is I logged into his computer and I knew that he could remotely connect from his laptop to his work computer. And I knew that all of his passwords were available on his work computer. (laughs) (laughs) So so this was me pretending to be logging into my email, checking my email from his laptop when I was really downloading all of his passwords. So then now I had all of his passwords. So then what I did is from my computer at home, (laughs) 
Beth's, <laughs> Beth's face is just like, her eyes are like crazy. You're like, yes, you are crazy town. So then, <laughs> so then I was able to, conf- I, so basically I was able to log into everything, see all the messages, all the emails, everything that he was sending to everybody. But it was like, all right. Ha-. And then, so what I did is I put his settings like on Chrome to make sure that every time his iPhone was like wherever it was to track the IP location. So basically I had like a GPS tracker on this guy, right? Wow. And I spent (laughs) back then pretty good job for you. Right. Right. (laughs) Right. Like I'm now I'm like, wow, that is like really impressive. In another life, I was definitely a private investigator. It's probably why I love like true crime so much. The entire CIA should just be women. women. (laughs) Right. And so, but think about it. Like I spent so much of my time and energy on this guy, like so much of my brain space was so enmeshed in this mental like world, like of mental gymnastics, trying to just figure out and make meaning out of anything he did in order. So I would feel secure. And I spent years doing that. And even after I broke up with him, like I finally cut the cord with him, I still kept thinking about this. I still kept thinking about him. So like, again, changing the outside world does not change the inside. And so I can relate to a lot of my clients who are like, I just want to get on with my life. I don't want to be spending all this time thinking about this guy, spending all my time, like trying to figure this out. I just want to be done with it and move on. And that's totally possible. Just like it is with your relationship with food. I mean, I'm sure a lot of your clients are like, I don't want to spend <laughs> more time, like, you know, in this world. Yeah, I just want to, it's want to be different. I think that's the top request. I just don't want to think about it so hard anymore. It's driving me crazy and it's, <laughs> it's causing me to take weird actions. I see the actions are not working out for me. I have not created the results that I want. Like, please help yeah. me. So it's like, well, we will think about it, but yeah, how can we think about it from a place that doesn't feel so frantic? And it's, and it is that energy of like, okay, I have to have it versus like, I want something. I'm requiring, I'm requiring something is not helpful usually. So the bottom line here is, is that we are creating our own suffering. <laughs> um, no, to be wrong. Right, right, right. But because our brains get confused, they think that our happiness and whatnot is in the external world and that our internal world is dictated that by that, but that's really wrong. We really need to shift what's happening in our internal world to our external world can match that. Right. Is that the summary? Yeah. And I would say, thank God we are the ones creating our suffering because if we aren't, we have to rely on something else to not undo that suffering. So that's a great point. <laughs> like, If you're the one creating, yeah, if you're the one creating your suffering, thank God it's you because you're the one who can get it out, out of like, you're, you're the one who can get out of it. Right. I mean, that's what I think. Like when people are like, I want to feel empowered. I'm like, well, this is what empowerment actually is. Right. And they're like, oh, okay. (laughs) So, but it is good news. 
So if you want a relationship, you can go out and create connections from a place of worthiness and wanting, right? And if you want to lose weight, you can do it from a place of worthiness and wanting, but you don't need to lose weight to have a relationship and you don't need to lose weight to be happy. You do not need a relationship to be happy. These are all just things we've made up in our brain. <laughs> um, and there are stories that have been given to us and passed down, but there, there can be, you can have it all and you can also not have it all. And you're going to feel good either way. Right. Yeah. I just keep trying to tell myself that. <laughs> Yeah, and that's why and that's why we're like no we need coaches so I'm sometimes i'm like actually i'm like you don't need a weight loss coach you need a relationship coach <laughs> right? mm-hmm. so i am here for both but it's like i i want sheila nova can you just tell us a little bit about like how you're helping people right now yeah so if you're a woman and you constantly find yourself like you're dating this guy or potentially dating somebody and you're just like constantly reeling about what this guy's doing, if this is going to work out, is he going to commit to you? Maybe he's not committing to you. Every time like you fall in love with someone, then all of the sudden it's like you're living in this world of doom and gloom on when is his next text message to come? And like, what's, what should I write him? Like, what's the text I should send? Or he's not texting often enough. And then all of a sudden you're just finding yourself in this space where you're like, I don't want to be doing this, but I can't help that I'm doing it. And so what we do is we get you to a place where you're not doing any of that anymore. And you're creating, you're using all of that new brain space now to do what you actually want to do with your life. And when that happens, you show up a lot differently in relationships. And even if like, when I do this work on myself, when I do it with my clients, it's like, even if a guy rejects you, it's now it's like, oh, that was good news. (laughs) Hmm. it's no, there's, it's not like you have to do this like huge work every time it happens because you've developed Mm -hmm. those skills. And the best part is that when all of that energy, that insecure, like that desperate clinging energy is freed up, you are liberated to start focusing on the things that you've been putting off. Totally. Which is what we say about weight, right? Yeah. It's like once we, <laughs> and we don't have to, exactly. we don't just spend so much brain energy worrying about our bodies and obsessing over when they will get to this place. It's like, Hey, let's just free up your brain so that you can actually go live your life and do fun things. <laughs> exactly. So if you want that for your life, if you want to be in a space where you feel very self-confident and you're either in your own relationship right now or in potential with potential dating prospects, you can find me on Instagram. It's Sheila Nova, all one word, just like my first name. And you can set up a breakthrough call with me and we can discuss how it would really look like to work with me. I'm a very intimate coach in terms of how I work with my clients. I work one-on-one in not just an official sort of professional setting, but also ongoing with my clients all throughout the week while they do this work. Love it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank you for coming. This has been such a fun conversation. Thank you for spilling the tea on your crazy dating life and giving our listeners something else to think about. Each week, we keep our eyes peeled for things in the media or in real life that come from diet culture or that perpetuate diet culture in some way. These are often the subtle ways it creeps in, which is why we're shining a light on it and sharing it with you. Beth, you said you have something. What do you have for us I today? I do. So I get this ad from 
a company and they say that, okay, so the ad is I'm down 22 pounds and my reset days have become a way of life for me. Diets don't work. Our members simply in quotes, reset two days a week and lose weight for good. Start our science-based program today. So I clicked on the link and then you go (laughs) and you answer a series of questions because it doesn't tell you anything else about it. Like if you go to the website, you're really, your only true option is to hear that same spiel and, and then figure out how it would be. So it's that they make it easy to lose weight with just two days of discipline each week. These members spend most of members spend most of the week eating freely without strict rules. We'll coach you on healthy eating habits and mindful eating, but no calorie counting or stressful decisions, but two days a week, this, they will help you (laughs) eat less in a way that supercharges fat loss. It, it'll take some discipline, but an amount you can handle. And then it told, and then I went and answered, you know, all the questions to see. And then it told me I could lose up to 25 pounds in 12 weeks (laughs) using their program. And so I put in a weight that was higher and they, than mine, I said that. I was like, there's no way you could lose 25. I know. I was curious, but anyways, this is still ridiculous. So I put in that I weighed 143 and then, um, they said in the 12 weeks that then I could weigh 118 pounds. And I'm like, I don't, why? why would I want to, why, why? So I was like, is it cause that's like exciting for somebody to like 25 pounds makes it worth it. So one, it is a diet. It's still a diet. Well, yeah. So what is, what is a reset day? Did they tell you? Yeah. So means? the reset days, you get to pick two days a week that you want. And basically what is happening is, is that you just eat less in a way that supercharges your fat loss. But so essentially, but how um, much less? <laughs> you, it doesn't say, it just says that you'll use their app to plan their approved mil- meals that are typically filling and high protein, but smaller portions. And then your personalized meal suggestions will include easy vegetarian recipes, no cook items like frozen entrees and to go options and, and, which it would be Panera subway, etc. And then any questions chat now. And so then you can do all this for $6 a week and then you can somehow save $20 per week on food estimated, I guess, because you're eating less on those two days. And then, yeah. So basically every 12 weeks you pay $72 to eat less two days a week. And then somewhere in the middle what are you paying for? Are you pay- are you paying for coaching or I guess, for food? My guess is is that you're paying for coaching on how to be mindful in between the two reset days. But I'm like, if you're doing those things during the other five days, why do you need the two reset days? Because a reset day to me sounds like I've done something bad and now I need. <laughs> (laughs) to reset with these other days. But I guess what they're really doing is that they're having two days. There isn't a a form of the intermittent fasting, which is ever so popular. And I'm not, I'm not hating on intermittent fasting, trust me. But one of the forms of the intermittent fasting is that you have a day where you 
eat very little instead of, yeah. you know, all I'm, that's all I'm hearing is for two days a week, you're going to starve yourself and the rest of the week, we'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> because it doesn't just say, it just says that you eat less on those days, but they're the, they're approved meals. And so to me, it still is very much a diet, even though it says diets don't work. That's the first sentence in the ad. It had 437 likes on Plus that the thing is, it's, This is like the greenwashing of we are an intuitive eating thing or we're, yeah, we're a non-diet diet. But, but it it's is, like, it's a diet. You are it's a, a diet. diet. Yeah. I, and I see still this, get the emails. Go ahead. I was going to yes. say like, I see this as, and it's so funny that you guys get this stuff because my algorithm is uh, <laughs> definitely the, like 180 of this. this. But it's like <laughs> someone figured out that if you don't do any mind work practices around food, you can actually white knuckle it for like a a shorter duration. And they're like, you can probably white knuckle it for two days until you fall back to the thing. So it's kind of like proving, Hey, this works. You can actually white knuckle your way through leading less for two days. And then you'll definitely (laughs) fall back. You're not learning anything new. Yeah. But it's a way that you do learn something during the week, but I'm like, I don't know. It just, I don't know. We'll coach you on healthy habits and mindful eating. So to me for $6 a week, that's just somebody giving me like this, like text. Cause you can't even yeah. do like a free trial. Cause trust me, I would have signed up for it to see what kind of <laughs> things they would have sent me, but like, you can't even do that. And so I was unwilling to pay $72 to see what it was about. But yeah. So to me, it just sounds like this, somebody sends me a text or a message in the app to give me some idea about, you can do it. Try doing swapping this out for this, this week, you know, and then eating their approved meals on the two days a week. Yeah. That's my it is another example of, yes, we're not really going to teach you anything about your mindset or actually solve any of your problems. Yeah. yeah. It's like, we're going to help you white knuckle it, which doesn't actually change anything long-term. Yeah. Right. It's like, but it right. gives you the mindset of that. You are in control because on those two days you are resetting yourself. You're intermittent fasting on those days. Which, this is funny. If you put this into money terms, like if this was a money coaching program and they're like, during the week, you can use your credit card, however you'd like, but for two days, <laughs> we're not going to use your credit card. <laughs> and for those two days, that should be enough just to like make a small change <laughs> for a certain amount of time. <laughs> Uh, and when you, when you think about it that way, it sounds terrible. It does it's not sound a good terrible. Idea. Yeah. Um, the emails, all the follow-up emails are that I still get are very similar. I don't think I'm um, see if I can. Oh yes. The psychology behind reset is excellent. No foods are off limits and you're not feeling constantly restricted like other programs, the testimonial. And so basically all it does is just tell you somebody's quote, all the follow-up emails are that. And then do you have any questions? And then it's science-based lasting. So numerous scientific studies like the study in the study prove that they're two days a week system is extremely effective and promotes long-term results, which I can get, I don't have to click on those. I know what they are. They're doing the intermittent fasting. Yeah. It's just calorie control. Ones is what they're doing. So it's just that science of that. So that I feel like the word science-based is like the new plant-based. It's like 
Mm. Oh, it's science-based? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> so anyways, that's what it is. $72 a week. You can do pay them to do intermittent fasting. There you go. Sweet. Okay, $72 a quarter. My bad, my bad. Not a week. Oh. $6 a week, $72 a quarter to lose more weight than one should. Because like if you're at if you're just slightly overweight, you should not go well below your weight. That was the other thing that made me upset was to go from 143 to 118. I'm like, I can't be good. Yeah, that's well, it's also just such a like, where are they? What is the math? How are they? creating these numbers right we know that exactly. the numbers are slightly irrelevant anyway they but are. like where, where are these numbers coming from so mm. and something yeah, that looks shiny to a, somebody that is like so upset to be at 143 i haven't been 118 since i was like 12 so <laughs> yeah it's been it's been it's been a while i don't even, I don't even desire to get there <sighs> don't even desire well I sure hope we gave you something new to think about today and helped you take one more step on your path to freeing yourself from diet culture. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Instagram at path underscore nutrition. And we'll see you next week. Bye everyone. Bye. Bye.